Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome, Wonders. I'm so, can I call you that, Wonders? Yeah, I kind of like that. Anyways, welcome back to Wonderland for another week of the podcast. I'm so excited about this week's episode. It is insanely amazing. I cannot even tell you guys, I was so psyched to interview this person. You may know her, you may not know her, but her name is Caroline Dooner, and she is so cool. She is the founder of The Fuck It Diet. That's right, The Fuck It Diet. And she's amazing. I, she's a really, really cool lady who you're going to learn a lot about. We started to record this, just like, you know, your average everyday episode. And then it ended up that we were about 2.5 hours in, and Caroline was like, hey, can we stop recording? I really need to pee. (laughs) And so we did, and we proceeded to record a little bit longer after that. And so I know what you're thinking. This episode isn't more than two hours long, thank God. Um, It's not, and I cut it in half. Um, But the interesting thing is that you're actually going to get part two of this episode in a couple weeks, which is really, really amazing and cool. In the meantime, though, if you do like Caroline and what she has to say, which I know that you will because I do, and it's fantastic, she is doing this free 10-day mini course um, that is really cool that I've also done. And so I highly suggest you check that out between now and the time that her next half of the podcast comes out because it's really awesome. The link to that's in the show notes, and she's doing this amazing life recovery program um, in relation to that. So anyways, just check out the mini course and see if you like it, but use my link in the show notes. Um, That's the best way to get to that. And one last super exciting thing that I am so psyched about, you guys, is that I'm doing a group coaching course, and it's going to be off the chain amazing. It's topical, so we're going to be covering, it's only a three-week course, and it's priced like super duper reasonably well, and I have three special guests coming in to these group coaching calls that we're going to do and like I said the course is topical so we're covering the holidays so it's called how to put the happy back in the holidays so this time you know we can think of it as being really happy and joyful and it is and that's amazing but it also can be kind of funky and it can bring up a lot of emotions around what I call the three f's right so around food around family and friends and around finances, right? You know, buying gifts and the, it can cost a lot of money to travel. Um, and there can be a lot of comparison there. And then, you know, food is a big thing when you're, we're as humans meant to celebrate with food, but it can, can bring up a lot of emotions, especially during the holiday season. And of course, being around family brings up a lot of emotions like reverting to childhood when you're around your family and just different old patterns coming up in these holiday situations that can be a little bit stressful, a little bit joyful, but bring up a lot of emotion. So we're going to just talk about that in this really amazing three-week course. They're going to be 
just these really nice, fun evenings. They're Sunday evenings, three evenings. Uh, the first one is in November, and the it's the Sunday right before Thanksgiving, so we're going to cover food that week, and I have a special guest who you guys may remember from the podcast, Simi, is the guest that week, so we're going to be talking about food, we're going to be talking about anything you want to talk about. I'm going to take extensive Q&A, so I'm going to answer all of your questions live on the air, every single one. I will stay till they're all answered, um, and Simi will answer them too. And we're going to talk, we're going to do a little meditation, we're going to do some journaling exercises. It's going to be just really radical and fun. Then there's like Thanksgiving week, then we're going to take a week off where you'll just work on your homework, and then the next two weeks um, will be on. So it's the 6th, and then the week after that, um, I believe it's the 12th. But all these dates are in the link in the show notes. And I also sent an email out about this to my list on Monday, so you might have received that. If you have any questions about it at all, just let me know. Shoot me an email. My name, my email is my name at gmail.com, katydalebot at gmail.com. Um, any questions at all about the three-week course, let me know. Three-week group coaching. It's going to be so much fun, you guys. Uh, The next week after we come back from the break for Thanksgiving will be about um, finances and my friend Haley Knight, who's amazing and a spiritual business coach, will be there. She's an Ivy League trained psychotherapist who is now a business coach and a life coach. So she's going to be there. We're going to talk about a lot of emotions around finances and holidays and again answer any questions you guys have and then the final week we're going to talk about family and friends and relationships and my friend Heather Waxman who you guys probably know she's amazing she's a life coach and a meditation teacher and a singer she's just way cool Um, we've done a lot of stuff together I think she was like my second episode of the podcast but she's also coming back in a couple weeks anyways I just think it would be so fantastic if everyone in the crew that listened to the podcast was also in this group coaching group. It would just be so high vibe. We could all talk to each other and there's going to be PDFs and exercises that you're going to get with it. You're going to get direct access to me on the live calls and my guests and we're going to just have a ball together. So the dates again are November 22nd. It's a Sunday and it's going to be from 8 to 9.30 Eastern time or 5 to 6.30 Pacific time um, starting that day and then we take a week off and then it's December 6th and December 13th. They're all Sundays and it's all going to be from 8 to 9.30 Eastern time. And yeah, so the tickets to participate in that are, they're really cheap, you guys. I just want as many people as possible to be able to join this. So for the entire, all three sessions and the PDFs and everything, it's just 147 So $147 and you can just buy it really quick on my site and that's the early bird price so if you sign up before November 18th it's that much and then after November 18th I'm just having the price go up to 167 so it's like not that much more but if you want to save um, like $20 definitely sign up now and that helps me out a ton just to know how many people are going to be there and to just know what to plan for and you know I want to make sure there's enough people that it's worth doing um So anyway, so please sign up. It's going to be a really great time. I would love to have you all there. I'm going to answer every single question you have. So if it's not, if it's just general life coaching stuff, not, or food stuff, or what body image stuff, or blogging stuff, like I'll answer whatever questions. We're just going to keep it 
topical for the discussion and the discussion with the guest and like what I'm sharing will be topical so I really want to do this during the holidays so I can live coach you on whatever's coming up for you during those weeks that's why we're doing it through Thanksgiving and right up until the holidays getting ready for it so Anyways, I think this is going to be a really great time. I would love to have you guys all there and get back to like that joy and childlike excitement of the season and share some cool guests and just have a lot of Q&A. It's, it's going to be a great time. And I have a lot of tools to share. Um, this time of year really used to stress me out a lot and uh, I would just revert to, to old childhood habits and I would not feel good about myself and my body and my I would feel really unconfident and... I would just really not feel so great during that time but now I make it really happy and comfortable and cozy and beautiful and I want to share that with you. I want everyone to have that. So anyways I think this will be a great time. It's really important to take a pause at this time of year and reflect on the year behind us and look forward with new goals and desires for the year ahead and that's really what I want to do in this course as well. So or group coaching, group, whatever you want to call it. It's just really simple, three weeks. It's going to be a really fun time. So I love you guys. I know you're going to love this episode with Caroline Dooner and sign up for her free 10-day mini course after this episode and sign up for my group coaching if you think it would be fun. Anyways, share the podcast with a friend and perhaps leave a review if you haven't and just enjoy this episode. I love you guys and I'll talk to you soon. totally fangirling over today's guest because she is I'm basically her biggest fan that's what I told her in the email when I asked to have her on the show but Caroline Dooner is here and she wears many many hats she's an actress she's a singer she's a ukulele player she's a comedian she's a writer what doesn't she do? She's so <laughs> cool. Um, but she also writes and mentors about body image and spiritual anti-diet stuff, which we all know I love. And she's the brain behind the wildly popular and often Googled term, the fuck it diet. And <laughs> it's, you know, as you guys know, it's basically the diet that I'm on, finally, and she lives in New York City, but today she's visiting the Wellness Wonderland with us. So thank you so much for hanging out with me, Caroline. Oh my God, that is the best introduction I've ever gotten anywhere. That's I'll go awesome. on the road with you. Please, can I keep you around? Yeah. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to talk. It's kind of cool that you, I feel like most people who read The Fuck It Diet are just know the one side and it's cool that you um are talking about both right from the get-go that's really cool yeah so. I found your well I think I did actually I was gonna say I found your other stuff first but that's not mm-hmm. really true I think I like found your other stuff but quickly went to your acting and singing and comedy because that's what I'm really into now like when if it had been like a few years ago, and I was really in the orthorexic sense. I've mm-hmm. like surpassed that and gone the other way. So I guess that's a, sure. that's a good sign. But it um, is a good sign. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that that fascinates me. And then I was like, oh, but she also like I can relate to her so much. And so it was just kind of like a triple threat. Amazing. And yeah. I just read your article that you sent me earlier about 
your orthorexic time, which it was an awesome post. I'm so glad. How long ago did you post that? Um, probably about like a year ish ago, year and a half ago. So, yeah. So that that was kind of when I came out of the closet about it. But mm-hmm. um, and but yeah. don't you find that like just that act alone is healing? Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. It it was crazy because the the week that I like posted that like. Maybe for like a a month before that, I was like, I need to talk about this, but I don't want to. Yeah. Like, I know I got to do it. And then I did it and it was like ripping off a Band-Aid and now it's like all I ever talk about, I feel Right, like. right. And then there are like new levels. Like there's always yeah. another oh, level of yeah. honesty you can get yes. to. Like, oh, should I talk about that? Yeah. And it's always a good idea. It's always liberating and it always uh, resonates with people so much more then you think it will. The, yeah. the big fear is that people will be like, oh, man, like, I can't read you anymore. Yeah, and I'm sure some of those people did, but good for them, and that's actually helpful, you know? Exactly. To, to, you know, to your people. For, yeah, totally. The weirdos can unite. And exactly. It's so, it's so cathartic to, to tell our stories. So, so yeah, so let's, let's start with your stir- story and zoom the lens back, and I really want to hear about everything and how all these different aspects um came to life from what you do with the fuck it diet to your amazing one woman show and your writing <laughs> and performing and just take us back to like you know maybe you want to go through the lens of your relationship with food and then also yeah. how it has impacted and is connected to like the career and the industry you're in with performing yes okay all right so I think I know where to start um (laughs) when I was well actually I could go way way back because when I was a child I was a tiny tiny little child who didn't think about weight at all thankfully I know some people start really young but I didn't think about it at all but my mom was obsessed with health food She was always talking about health food. We shopped at Whole Foods. I felt like I didn't have the same treats that my friends had. And I think another kid would have just been like, oh, well, like they wouldn't have been maybe. I mean, I don't know, actually. They wouldn't have been as nuts as I was, but I was obsessed. Like I was – and, you know, little kids love candy and stuff, but I was like on another level. And I was a binge eater as a child because of that. I would like go to friends' houses and they'd be like, okay, what do you want to do? And I'd be like, let's get a snack. (laughs) And then we'd get a snack and I'd like eat so much food and they'd stare at me like I was a crazy person. And then we'd go play something and they'd be like, so what do you want to do next? And I'd be like, uh, can we get another snack? And I, I, like, I was obsessed. It was all I thought about. Um, so much so that when my mom came to pick me up one day, the mother asked, she was like, um, do you feed your child? (laughs) So it's that my obsession with food started early, but how old um, is that? This is like kindergarten. But there was no body image issues. No body it? image stuff. It, like food was not connected to weight for me at right. that time. It was just that I wanted food. I wanted the junk food um, that I felt like I wasn't going to get. And that's I've, fascinating because I remember like I can t- barely remember, but I must have had a time like that. You know, like when I didn't really realize that connection of weight and food because yeah. I there was this, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I think it was around like first communion dress shopping. Cause I remember mm-hmm. like, I think I was a size 10 and my friends were like an eight and that mm-hmm. just like got me. And then somehow I made the connection of food 
and wait and was just like, I'm gonna diet. Right. Forever. Right. Yeah. And and it started so it started that started for me at fourteen. Like with puberty. So it definitely happened and it happened hard. <laughs> you know, and it was like uh could not be ignored. But the interesting thing for me is that even before it had to do with weight, just the feeling of restriction alone, and it wasn't even real restriction. Like I was fed. I, and I got plenty of junk wherever I went. And my mom would even go to McDonald's sometimes, but I felt restricted. And that alone made me a crazy person around food, which is something that I've realized recently is significant to think about the fact that restriction really can do that to us and yeah. make us food addicted. Whereas it's not the food. It's actually our state of mind about the food. Um, so that's interesting to me. But when I turned 14, I went from like little waif to not even kidding, a size, a bra size 32E. That was like in a couple months so I like all of a sudden I, I, I honestly think that I was probably thin, like compared to, um, what I thought I was, but compared to how I was before I felt so big and the boob thing was really hard because I felt like it was this like sexual, like body that I was so emotionally not prepared for and the attention that that got and um, I hated it. I really, really hated it. And that alone wasn't it, though. I know I felt uncomfortable in my body. I definitely was like, oh, God, like, I wonder if all this food that I'm addicted to eating, because my mom would say all the time, like, you are a food addict. You're obsessed with food. Why are you and your brother so obsessed with food? And it was because we felt denied. And she had no idea. You know, she thought she was being a good mother by only supplying us with like almond butter and stuff. And we just felt like we were being denied real childhoods. But it was in my head that I was a food addict. So I was like, "Uh uh-oh, is this becoming a problem? But then it really wasn't until I went to the doctor and I like didn't have a normal period. And I like should have at that point. It was like, it was 14. Um, But I had this like, I, I looked the way I look right now. I looked 25 at 14. And they tested my hormones and they said that I had PCOS, which I assume you know what that is. Mm-hmm. And if you, but I can explain to your listeners who might not know, it's a hormonal syndrome, they call it, which really is what it is because it's not specific. Like there are symptoms that come along with this PCOS, it's polycystic ovaries. But they're completely inconsistent from person to person. Um, It's funny that you you bring this up. I don't know if you know who Elisa Vitti is. She has this company called Flow Living. And anyway, she was the guest that came on my show today. I don't know when this is going to be airing. But if people want to learn more about PCOS, go back to episode 73 and she talks about it but it's this small world that that's amazing I just saw that too I just I was just on your site and I saw her I saw her picture and I saw that the name of her business yeah anyways I just and I would actually really love to yeah it is and I want to look her up too because I'm really into like um uh you know every sort of way that people try to heal this but 
basically, and it was coming from my mom too. My mom had the best intentions, but it really screwed me up. So she was the one that wanted the doctors to test me for it. And she was the one who was all worried about it, that I had this thing. Cause my aunt, my, my dad's sister had PC, has PCOS and she, and the reason that everybody knew is cause she had triplets cause she was on fertility hormones to conceive and she has triplets. And, but the thing with PCOS is that they say that the symptoms are weight gain, infertility, you know, messed up cycles, high testosterone, acne, and then they say that it's caused by insulin resistance and that it can lead to diabetes and it can basically lead to like every health problem, they say. And... I was super resistant because my mom was starting to like, she got so panicked when they said that I had this because I guess she'd been researching it. And I just remember, I, I kind of have blocked out whatever conversation. I remember my mom asking all these questions about like, well, what do we need to do and what's going on and what are the blood tests saying? And it was just that like my progesterone was low and my, my testosterone was a teeny bit high. Um, which it's remained to be to this day. But I remember the the doctor looking at me and saying, okay, so just um, don't gain weight and, um, and watch your carbs. Mm. I was like, okay, all right. And I was feeling very distant about it. I remember I was like, this, this isn't – everything's fine. Like I'm going to be fine. My mom was freaking out. She started Googling constantly. She was like on all these sites for it so nervous. Um, and she would talk about it constantly. And I, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to go on a diet. Like I am addicted to food and I'm not supposed to gain weight. And I'm just going to go on the Atkins diet, which is what was all the rage back then. And it was like the low carb craze, you know, Mm -hmm. which is still sort of going on, but I feel like at least in my world, there's been a swing back for sure. Like in the people that I follow even, I don't even know if I were a high schooler right now, like what would be the thing that I would latch on to. But then yeah. it was the Atkins diet. I think now there's like, and we'll get into this hopefully, but like there's so much information and so many diets out there. There's like, oh my God. it could go either way. It could be raw vegan or it could mm-hmm. be paleo or it mm-hmm. could be somewhere in between. It would probably be paleo. I feel like that's like the trendiest the thing. Yeah, and I've done them all, Katie. I've yeah, done them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Tried them all on for size. Exactly. <laughs> and then fuck them all. <laughs> exactly. And I, you know, I almost had to, looking back, I know I'm going, I'm zooming ahead right now, but I almost had to do them all in order to know that they really don't work. Yeah, like you could and there's truth in all of them too. Like I didn't mean to say like, you know, F them all, but really there's, I mean, there's good things about all of them. I learned a ton from trying them all. Exactly, exactly. And and there are people – like I had a friend in college. I was a raw vegan in college or for a year at least. And she said to me, me you know, I'm going to I'm gonna do raw vegan. Um, and I was trying to come off it at the time. And she was like, I'm going to – I bought this book and I'm, I've been buying some foods. And I was telling her like, oh, well, you know, it's a little intense. I don't know. You know, I don't know that I believe it anymore. And she was like, well, you know, you can eat – you know, you can eat regular dinners in this book. And when I go home and see my family, like, I'm just going to eat pasta or whatever. And I looked at her like, oh, my God. That's not 
that's you're cheating. So yeah. I was like, you're so, and it was either cheating depending on whether I was on the diet or not. Like if I'd been on the diet, I would have said like, you can't do that. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to work. But being off the diet, I was like, wow, I could never like, that's just not how my brain works. Like Same. that, that's totally foreign to me. The idea that you could like sort of do a diet yeah. and not become totally obsessed with it. So all or nothing with stuff. Exactly. And for her, I feel like, I feel like what it does come down to is that I was trying to, on so many levels, it became so much more than just health, of course, but I was like trying to save my life. Like I thought that Mm. I would be, and I don't mean just like health wise. I mean, like I thought that if I was able to do the diet and become healthy and skinny, it, it became very much about the weight too, that that everything would change and everything would be great and and my life would be perfect and all my problems would go away. And that really is the crux of why chronic dieters get stuck there because it becomes this like, well, once I do it right, then everything's going to be great. Then I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix everything. And it's this like living for the future that it just never happens. Um, and people do that with everything. They do it with, uh, partners. They do it with money, jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and once you notice it in one area of your life, you can start to see how it, it's maybe been getting into the other areas too, but I am getting ahead of myself. Mm -hmm. Let me go back to high school was like a total wash of crazy. I mean, I did the Atkins diet. I did the South beach diet. I did this weird diet called the Rosedale diet where you like have to eat only like fish and celery or something. It it was supposed to be like good oils. It was all about leptin Mm. and all of these diets. My mother was like doing all this research on and she would do it with you. She would do it with me, but she wouldn't be as militant as I was because she was doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, when I was little, she would do like the blood type diet and all those things. But the truth is she was crazy about it, like more than other people. But her, for some reason, she didn't feel like her whole self-worth was tied into it. So she kind of, for better or for worse, she kept dieting because it wasn't really ruining her life. Do you know what I mean? Like for me, I took it so far for so long and I was so wrapped up in it and I saw my whole self-worth through the diet I was on and what my weight was and what clothes I was able to fit into that I, I hit rock bottom that, so I had to spring back. I had to look at it another way. She didn't have to do that until she saw me go through that. So in a way, it's a blessing and a curse that you and I took it so far because my mom never did. And so she just always vaguely saw her worth through her weight. And she wasn't really aware what she was doing up until being 50 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I was – I mean I found these like notebooks from – high school that were like so crazy, miserable. Like I would, I would write down every single thing I ate that day and like write little notes to myself. And like, 
um, I did that too. Yeah, and like I, I like in the notes on, in class, I would like I was oh, excited yeah. when like that was maybe I didn't have a phone or something, but I would like instead of playing on my phone, I would like in the corner of my page, I was so excited to like tally up my calories yes. and judge myself yes. during class. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And it was like, yeah, that, that's the other crazy thing. The amount of time and energy spent on this goal. And, and the saddest part was, is I thought I was being responsible. Yeah. Like not only was it a weight thing. Okay. So then we tied it in with my mother's other worry for me was that I was in theater and I wanted to pursue this and the roles that I was going to be cast in vocally in musical theater were these sweet roles. And she was like, you can't be obese because that was like, that was the big fear. Like people with PCOS become obese, which is not true. Uh, People with PCOS can gain weight and have trouble losing weight depending on what's happening with their metabolism. But often it's because they're put on diets and they rebel because that's what happens. And there's a binge repent cycle and it spins out of control and it makes your insulin resistance worse and it makes your hormones worse. And you think it's because you're unhealthy and you can't stay on a diet. And it's really because you're trying to be on a diet in the first place, which I did not learn till three years ago. Um, But this fear, there was this huge fear of losing control and, and not having control. And I didn't feel like I had control either. I felt like there was something wrong with me. Like I was addicted to food. And the more I tried to diet, the more addicted to food I was. And there must be something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And why couldn't I just stick to this diet? Why was I so obsessed with eating food I wasn't allowed to eat? And I was ruining my health. And I was ruining my hormones. And I was ruining my – like it felt so connected to my worth because I felt like I was – I felt like if I couldn't stay skinny, I was like sabotaging my whole life. Mm. And it had to do with theater and it just had to do with what we're taught in this yeah. culture about weight. You know what I mean? That that if you gain weight, something horrible must be going on and you must really be lazy and not able to control yourself. Yeah. And that's, that is the com- – that's, that's like common knowledge that – if you gain weight, it means that you ate too much food and you should just not eat too much food and gain and lose the weight. Right. That's like how simple we think it is. Which is so not true. It's just not <laughs> I true. I mean, let's oh. just address the health at every size thing right now. Might mm, as well. Yes. Because yes. we've talked about it before a lot on the show, but I would love to hear you talk about it. And I heard you in a recent podcast um, where I was stalking you prior to this episode to prepare, (laughs) where you talked about this study from um, Linda Bacon's book, Health at Every Size, um, which we both mutually love. Mm -hmm. Um, But that particular study, I remember reading in the book, but I haven't really heard highlighting it. Um, Do you want to talk about that? Do you know the study I'm telling about? Yes, exactly. This is so life-changing. I read this after I decided to stop dieting because I was just so miserable and we'll get there eventually in the story, but, um, we're kind of jumping around, but yes, that's totally fine. I, um, I decided to stop dieting and then I read the study, which just helped. I mean, it helped me 
so much just solidify that I was on the right path. But Linda Bacon, um, the specifics are not going to be staying in my head, but there was a control, there was a group of like 200 women or something. Mm -hmm. They're all, uh, Technically, you know, in the in the technicality of it, however they measure obesity and overweight, they were all in the overweight or obese category. And one group was regular diet regimen. They were trying to make them lose weight, doing good old fashioned restriction and exercise. And it was like the top, you know, expert in obesity was the one who was running this group. And the other group was of, I don't know how many people were in the study, but other group was Linda Bacon. And she was teaching them how to eat what they wanted and not restrict and not feel bad about what they were eating and to find food neutrality. She was teaching them how to love themselves because apparently the guilt factor is actually huge in health issues. It actually creates stress and health issues in the body to feel constantly ostracized and prejudice against you all the time for your body weight and feeling it against yourself. Like I shouldn't be this way. So they worked a lot on self-acceptance and self-love and they taught them to choose exercises that were pleasurable and joyful and not punitive at all. Intuitive intuitive, just basically they taught them, they, they told them to stop dieting. They taught them how to do that in a way that was self-loving and supportive. And this whole study was 200, 200. See, I forget whether there are 200 in each group. That's what I think there was. I think it was there, I'm pretty sure that's what it said. Something like that. And it happened over two years. And what they found in the beginning was that the group that was trying to go for weight loss and doing the regular um, obesity protocol, so to speak, they all lost weight originally and they all improved their health markers. And what, but however, what they found at the end of the two years is that they had all gained the weight back and more and they were being controlled like they like they had every support they could have ever needed to keep the weight off and stay on their diets but they'd gained all the weight back and more and their health markers became worse than they even had before they started this study and they found in the other group the group that was taught self love and intuitive eating and just like an intuitive lifestyle is that on the whole Nobody lost weight. It's possible that a couple people lost weight, but as a group, they did not lose weight. But still, all of their health markers improved, which goes to show two things. One is that <sighs> diets backfire if you're looking at it over the long haul, even when you have every desire to lose weight. You're in a study, you have weekly check ins and you know, a meal plan. It's still for the majority of people will backfire, lower your metabolism, make you gain more weight and make your health worse to go through the yo-yo of it all. Because then when you're there, then you're in this like, you know, you've been there, I'm sure, where you've been on the diet and now you're starting to rebel or it's starting to, it's stopping 
working and you kind of go into this panic of like every day is a new like crazy attempt to do it right Mm -hmm. and every night is the you know is the rebellion and the binge and it's just this roller coaster emotionally and physically that's horrible for your body and it's not just the binging that's bad for your body it's the restricting too in fact it's all happening because of that and so it proves you know, in this study that it doesn't work. Yeah. It just, that that's not the way, but it also proves that the health that everyone's obsessed with, everyone's like, oh, you have to lose weight for your health. You have to lose weight for your health. Mm-hmm. It's not the weight, it's yeah. habits yeah. and, and not just the habits. And when I say habits, I actually worry sometimes that people are like, oh, I gotta, I guess I have to have healthy habits. It's, it's not the weight loss habits. It's the way you live your life. It's the quality of life that you're giving yourself. And the more you accept yourself and love yourself and want the best for yourself and are not judging yourself based on how you look and how you weigh and how well you did on your diet today, the more likely you are to eat balanced foods. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 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 study is great for, you know, cutting through the crap where like, you know, in the 90s and 80s, you know, people, they called a spade a spade, you know, they were dieting for vanity, and it was like Mm -hmm. diet soda and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I think now, just as many or more, probably for sure, more people are dieting, but no one calls it dieting anymore, ever. It's like, Mm. dieting is for vanity, but I'm just being healthy. Yeah, using that as a cover to say I am trying to manipulate my weight to look a certain way because it it is a vanity thing. And I think that, um, you know, I'm not even saying that that's right or wrong. I think, you know, in our humanness that we sometimes want our bodies to look a certain way, just like when we have curly hair and we want to straighten it, even though that's not natural for our bodies. Like I think, you know, I have an interesting relationship to that topic, which, you know, we can get into and into what what you think on that, too. Like, you know, is being at our natural size, you know, if it's not what we want it to be, you know, is that OK? Do we just embrace that humanness of the disconnect or do we work on the social issue of like maybe we question why do I want that so much? Right. You know? And I think um, that is where it comes down to, because yeah. I was going to say that people are petrified. Like people are petrified to gain weight because you hear the nasty things that people say about people who have either gained weight or are fat or have always been fat. It's just this like you're all of a sudden fair game. You're under fire. And it's because of this whole health thing too. Mm -hmm. It's because now we've said like, okay, well – we have an obesity epidemic and for the you know safety of our children and also for our tax dollars we need to make sure that everyone loses weight and everyone who's not losing weight is lazy and unhealthy and basically like a big waste of space that's said in so many different ways in i mean the I'm reading Linda Bacon's second book right now. It's called Body Respect. And just seeing how because that's become um, common knowledge, incorrect common knowledge, that fat is unhealthy and we have an obesity epidemic, 
the scientists that were that are doing the studies are actually ignoring data that is proving it otherwise because they have because they feel like that must be incorrect. <laughs> there are studies. It's so sad. It's so sad because look, if we could talk about fake foods, you know, that are that are not even as delicious as real foods and all the factory farming and all of that, like that is stuff that I actually can happily support. Like let's move towards a more grassroots movement. I still don't believe that we should be obsessed with worrying about whether we're putting like good or bad things in our mouths because that's miserable and impossible. But I do believe in good food and feeding yourself well and, you know, having more organic farms in this country than not, which is not the case right now, obviously. But that's not what we're talking about here. If that was actually what we were focusing on, great. It's not. We're actually focusing on the weight on people's bodies and how immoral, essentially, these people are for not being able to get it together. And, and that is crazy. it's crazy and tragic because so many people who are quote unquote overweight have been on diets for their whole lives trying to atone for the sin of their body size. Yeah. And it's just assumed that they must not care. They must not try. They must not. It is. It's so heartbreaking and so unfair. They're discriminated against, and it's the only socially acceptable way to have prejudice now, really, in society. Exactly. And it's just so – and I was going to ask you this, and we have to get back to your story eventually, but, like, it's – I get really, really sad about it. And I just feel like it's – growing and growing and growing because of this health movement and at the same time like there are food deserts and places in this country where like people don't have access to sustainably grown organic food or even real foods whatever whatever which like sucks and like I want that to get better but like that getting better is making this other problem worse and at the same time people like you and I who are like really have these addictive personalities are getting this information who don't really need the information while the people who need the information aren't getting the information. It's just like this crazy conundrum. And yeah, do you get frustrated by it too? Oh my God, it's so frustrating. The worst part is that whenever I, almost every time that I choose to speak up about this, which I really do pick and choose because people don't want to hear it. People don't want to hear that, that gaining weight or having weight on your body or being fat is not either the problem or the moral issue that everyone has turned it into. And there are some people who will listen to me and then say, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But like still, like people who are really overweight, like they just need to lose weight. And it's like, okay, but you didn't really hear me because that like and that's become the scapegoat. Like that's become what we've blamed everything on. Like, oh, well they have a health problem? It's cuz they're fat. And they have, they, they're not they're unexclusive or what not whatever, they're not connected. <laughs> yes. Well, the the cool thing about this body respect book and there are I mean there's so much similarity in what they're talking about between health at every size and body respect. 
But I think there are even more examples that they're giving in body respect for um, these studies that have been done and ignored, but that there's often a correlation. People with health, certain health problems are often also fatter than people who don't have those health problems. But they've done studies that show that it's, that it's just a correlation. It's not the causation. Being fat is sometimes a symptom of a different metabolic thing. And instead, people are saying, well, they gained weight, so that's why they're unhealthy. But no, actually, maybe something else was going on. In fact, this is almost, you know, this is more often the case that there's something else going on and therefore weight is a symptom along with the other symptoms, but it's become blamed as the cause. Which is so sad because then people don't get diagnosed for the real thing and they don't treat the problem because they're just telling them it's the weight. Exactly. Exactly. I read something. I forget what I read it on, but um, maybe it was even actually, I think it was in the book that Linda Bacon was saying that she and her father both have the same knee problems. And when she went to the doctor, they said, oh, great. So you need to do these stretches. You need to do these strengthening exercises. You need to take this supplement and this should really help. Um, your knee alignment and it should really help the pain. And when her father went to the doctor, they were like, well, you're overweight. Oh, let me say first that her father is overweight. And I put that in quotes always. Mm -hmm. And Linda was not. So Linda went to the doctor. They gave her the solution happily, sent her on her way. Her father went to the doctor and they were like, well, you're overweight. So you need to lose weight. That's why you have knee pain. And they never told him about any of the other things that he could be doing, like the strengthening and the stretching and the supplement. They just said, well, you need to lose weight, lose weight and come back, go, go on this diet and then come back and see us when you lose weight and we'll, we'll go from there. So he spent years then with the knee pain, with the knee pain, trying to lose weight unsuccessfully on this diet plan. And finally, I think maybe that was around the time that Linda was doing all this research. She, you know, intervened and was like, no, you just need to do these stretching. And it helped like the weight. Yeah. It puts pressure on things, but it's not the cause that like people who go to the doctor who are overweight are, and I actually, and fat is a better way is a better way to refer to it because Overweight means that there's a good weight to be and a not good to be. So people who are fat will go to the doctor and it doesn't matter what's going on. The first thing that's pointed out is that they need to lose weight, whether that's true or not. In fact, they can be tested sometimes and their health is fine and they'll say, but you should lose some weight or you're at risk. So it's just, it's so frustrating. And the other thing is that, I mean, it's kind of, you know, that people talk now about thin privilege and, and you mentioned it in your article that I read this thin privilege that you don't even think about if you're a thin person going through your life, that if you were a fat person, people 
really will look at you differently because of this social stigma about what it means that you're fat. You must be lazy. You must be unhealthy. You must not care. You must really, you know, it's... And even in the media and especially, like, it starts... Um, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for Fatitude yet, but they, they talk about this in there, like, starting with, like, The Little Mermaid, the only fat character portrayed in the yes. movie is Ursula and she's the villain. And so we go through as little girls yeah. and we're like, you don't want to be, you want to be Ariel, you know? I know. And the flip side of that is when we get to like Maleficent or something who is really thin, um, it's this glamorized yeah. thing. It's like, ooh, like, well, she's a bad person, but like, I sort of want to be like her. Yeah, yeah. And it's... It's just this weird, like, it, it's it's really tragic. And we, you and I, being in the position of having thin privilege and being able to be an ally for, you know, body positivity and for fat rights and Activism. to be a fat activist as a thin person is actually really important because, and, and I still get backlash. It doesn't matter what I say. Most people don't want to hear it, but they're more likely, and this is the sick part, they're more likely to listen to me than if I were fat and telling them why it's okay. They'd be like, well, okay, she's just telling herself that. But it's it's a total – I mean it really is similar to being a straight ally to yep. the gay community. Like they need straight allies and to be a white ally to the black community, it's, it's essential. It's essential for progress to have people on both sides really defending yep. their human rights. And it is amazing. I mean it's it's totally taboo to be prejudiced against – Race Most groups, race, sexuality, sexuality but, but it is still fully okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's well, trendy. they're doing it yeah. to themselves. They're doing it oh. to themselves. That's the like consensus mm. that just is not true. And if anybody who's listening has ever been on a diet in a diet repent cycle, you know that it kind of has a mind of its own. And it really is amazing to look at. I mean, I, I know people in my life where they have done the diet repent thing at a higher weight because that's just where their weight sits. And once they've let go of that, they stabilized at a higher weight. They just did that. That's where their body wants to be. That's where they're perfectly healthy. That's where they've always been. They've been circling around it, losing some weight, gaining some weight, but and then other people, my experience has been that when I really let it go and I did gain some weight, it was a really necessary part of the process. I have now stabilized at, at a low weight that was pretty much the median of where I always had been gaining and losing around. So your body is so much more powerful and and really able to regulate in this way that we think that there's something broken. We think that the fact that we can't lose weight and keep it off is because 
our bodies are broken and they're supposed to be smaller and I'm such a food addict and I can't do this right. And really what's happening is your body is brilliant and sabotaging you and saying like, we need to be a higher weight. Like, let's get back there. And it's pretty consistent because it doesn't, it doesn't often. Now there are times when people restrict and their body is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, and it gains a lot, a lot, a lot of weight. And the set point goes way up, but it's actually more common that you have a set point that your body keeps on trying to comfortably find. Yeah. And people are so resistant and it is easier said than done for me, for instance, I had a question recently, um, and it's one that I'm going to answer in my video Q and a series, but somebody wrote to me and said, so I see, and you have said that you are now thinner than you were for most of the time that you were dieting. Um, I want to ask you a really honest question about that. Do you, are you secretly happy that you Good question. Are thinner. Good question. Good, hard, interesting question. Are you secretly happy that you are thin now? And what do you think would happen if you did gain weight? And how do you feel about the idea of gaining weight again? And what do you think this means for somebody like me who's on the cusp in between being overweight and normal weight? And that's, you know, her view of herself that she's somewhere in between. But the answer for me is, um, do I feel lucky? I feel lucky on the thin privilege end. Mm -hmm. I can now be a fat activist that, um, can come from this angle. I can support the anti-diet movement and be an example of why, because people will say, well, you can't not diet because you're just going to balloon up. And that's what happens when people don't diet. And I'm a proof of, no, your body does find its way. Dieting is not the answer for health and weight. However, I think about this all the time that I really, I mean, I had to, in order to get over the food stuff, I had to actively, and it was not easy. I had to keep reminding myself that I wanted to love myself however I fell. However, my weight settled. I decided to gain weight. I decided that I would gain as much weight as I had to. I decided that wherever I landed, I would accept myself there and live my life there and enjoy it. And that was like the intellectual side. And then of course, in the process, I like had all my old fears and all my old beliefs and all of the, you know, just all of the stuff that, that got me crazy with dieting in the first place was really testing me. And I had to kind of like push through all those things and unlearn all those things and do a lot of reading and a lot of work on figuring out why I was so afraid of that and why I was so felt so vulnerable at a higher weight. And I did, I mean, I, like I was wearing my size G bra that I like finally gave in and bought and I bought all bigger clothes and I was living my life like 
believing that I might be up there forever and constantly reminding myself that it was okay and it was what I wanted and that there was power in it. And once I was able to do that, my food normalized more and more and more. And the less I thought about it and the less I worried about it and the less that weight was what I was going for, the more normally I ate. And over the past two years, I've just lost weight, um, not even trying to. And that is crazy and, and amazing because it goes so against what I was trying to do for 10 years, obsessively dieting. Like the, the amount of energy I spent trying to lose weight and really all it came down to was accepting whatever my body wanted to do. And this is even with this PCOS, this hormonal, you know, syndrome that is apparently supposed to make your body like not be able to lose weight. That was not the issue. That, that wasn't even a part of it. The thing that was making me gain weight and I would gain weight. I yo-yoed all over the place. My God was the restriction. It was the low metabolism that was caused by crazy erratic eating patterns that were never, ever, ever consistent or ample. Like I was always trying to eat the smallest amount constantly. Mm-hmm. And so back to her question though, about do I wish or do I feel lucky that I've been mm-hmm. in a way I do, but in a way I'm also kind of bummed that I wasn't able, I spent about a year at a higher weight for me, very, very curvy, um, feeling, trying to feel good about it actively and having great days and then having low days and having great days. And the more great days I had, the more normal my eating became and the more I committed to it and really just decided to love this. And um, fat activists who are body positive, like fat models and plus size models, they were huge for me. They were so, no pun intended, they were like so, so radically helpful to see these women who were way bigger than I was. And I was having trouble accepting like, you know, 15 extra pounds. They were, and they were curvy pounds. I mean, they really were. And I always thought that like, if I, if I could just have small boobs, then people wouldn't notice my weight gain. It would just like, I could hide it better, which is just like another weird excuse thing. Um, but these women who love themselves and dress themselves well and wore cool makeup and had cool haircuts and were artists and musicians and writers and like these awesome women who really inspired me, like, if they can do it, my God, I can do it. Like, there's no reason why I can't like myself wherever I fall because they are now the most extreme of this, like, social, you know, pariah, this, like, horrible, hated prejudice against body type that are living awesome lives anyway in spite of the fact that people, like, give them such a hard time. Yeah. And I think um, I learned this from our mutual friend, 
Isabel, who mm. um, we both love her course. And in her course, she talks about how um, with, you know, it's not that we're afraid of being fat or it's about what we think, what we make fat mean, right? Like yes. We, we associate thin yes. with good, fat with bad from yes. a young age. And we think that like, oh, our life, you can't have this really awesome rock in life. But like those role models are so positive for us because we see that like, oh, no, tr- like I can have a great life. Look at that girl, you know. They and turn so it on its head. Yeah. turn it. They turn that belief on its head and it is so amazing to witness because like everywhere you're yes exactly everywhere everywhere you look every single movie that you watch like the 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 fat character is like the one who doesn't have it together who doesn't have the great life who's just the friend who's just you know who's the comic relief or like hyper sexualized yes 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 that too never the leading lady or the leading man. And we all want to be the leading ladies and leading men of our own lives. Except in Hairspray, Tracy Turnblad. That is true. That's very true. Um, yeah. What a great thing. What a great show actually to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but everywhere else you look, it's like just, it's drilling it in, in a way that becomes so subconscious to us that we don't even realize what we think. We just know that fat is not acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And even for people, like there are people who grow up with parents who are very, very, or mothers who are like really vocally afraid of weight and like truly it's 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 not hidden at all. And there are people where it doesn't even need to be said or there are families where it doesn't even need to be said, but it's just like known. And that's like the culture at large. It's just known that fat is not acceptable. And that is what I want to, and we need to change. And I don't think it's going to be quick because I almost think it's getting, as you said, it's getting worse. Yeah, It's like going to get worse before it gets better, but there is a big movement. You know, there is a big movement. Conversations like this. Conversations like this, um, converse, like the thing is, is that there's people who are getting better with it and there are people that are getting worse. So like, if you look at Melissa McCarthy as an example, there are people that are like, she is so awesome. She is such an amazing, you know, she's such an amazing role model that she is a fat woman who is successful and who likes herself and talks about, you know, positive body image and, that she is just this amazing presence. There are people who believe that. There are people who also are like, she is totally going to make people think that it's okay to be fat and it's not okay to be fat. And she likes herself, which is great. It's great that she likes herself, but being fat is not okay. And if she's going to make it seem like being fat is an okay lifestyle, then, you know, that's just not okay. That's still... Like, it makes me tear up. I know. I know because people believe it. It's like, it's like the, um, it's actually almost harder to shake in a way than racism because there are still people who are racist and who it doesn't no matter, it does not matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you do. They just believe what they believe and it's horrible and backwards and twisted and like, 
anti-human, but yeah. they believe it. And they believe you can't change it, though. Yeah. They at least know that, like, if someone's white, they can't change themselves to be black. Exactly. And, but with your exactly. weight, it's like... It's like, well, why can't they just... Why can't they just get it together? And it just doesn't work that way. Biodiversity exists and body diversity exists. And it's a good thing because it would be so boring if it didn't. I know. And also, like, to look back at all the – and even still, you know, even today, all the different cultures that have these different beauty standards. And it's amazing to see what was considered beautiful in a different time because it just goes to show that our beauty standards are learned. But the other crazy thing is that people were doing this back then. I mean, the weight, the weight is different. Weight is like a new kind of prejudice that we now have, but people were doing this to themselves. Like women were, you know, trying to gain weight so they could fit in. Yeah. And isn't that amazing that in the past, bigger bodies were accepted, but still women didn't think that they were enough if they were not the fad du jour of body and face and coloring. And, you know, we're not even, you know, even men too, they're not immune. They've had, they experience the same things that we do just, you know, culturally it's a different level and for better and for worse they also they can't talk about it as much as we can Mm, that's interesting I always thought I always thought of it like we definitely have it worse which I think we might we do I never thought about that at least I can have this conversation and it's socially more acceptable yeah exactly I read this I think it was on the Huffington Post there were all of these men, they didn't, their faces weren't shown, but their bodies were shown and they talked about their body insecurities. And so many of them said, well, sometimes I can talk about it with my female friends, but like guys don't really, it's not really okay to to talk about it with guys. And it is fascinating because we, we look at it sometimes as being like oppressed by patriarchy, which I believe we are and we have been and it's totally skewed and the way women see themselves is often through the eyes of men and this society that's been ruled by men for so long. But at the same time, you know, first of all, there are plenty of wonderful feminist men and they are experiencing similar things to what we're experiencing now in the age of, you know, GQ and male models. And they are starting to feel the pressure as well. And I don't know if that's coming from a more balanced society. I don't know if like now, I'm not sure. From a feminist perspective, perhaps that's progress, but I, I don't think it's the type of progress that we need. It's like drawing no. into the part that's bad about exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because what we want, is the right? Is, we want yeah. everyone to be empowered. Like the point is, we want every single person who is born and who lives to grow up knowing that they are important Enough. and that they are valuable and that they are loved 
and that they the things as, as they are and that the things that they think and say matter. If everybody grew up thinking that and believing that, our world would be an amazing, amazing place. And, and that's the goal, yeah. you know, and it's a lofty goal, but it's worth going towards because that heals, you know, that heals so many things from the inside out. Yeah. Mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. This conversation has been amazing. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation and like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.